0: Welcome to Amateur All Tours, the podcast where every week we sit down and have a discussion about a movie. I am your host, Mike, and joining me is my brother Brian, and we would like to welcome you to Amateur All Tours. All right, welcome to the show. Uh, I'm your host, Mike, and joining me, as always... Brian, guys, hey. And, uh... Yep, this week of Amateur tours, uh, you could probably figure out when we recorded some of these, just from the, uh, (laughs) quality of my mic. But, you know, we're just gonna move forward. So, last, last episode, Brian, you, uh, it was your recommendation, uh, Punch Drunk Love. And I thought, I mean, I thought that was a pretty, you know, solid episode. I, um... Yeah, I thought it went well. I really enjoyed that conversation, and I was really into it. I was really excited about it. So yeah, I thought that was really yeah. successful, and I thought that was a good like first foray into Paul Thomas Anderson.
1: Yeah, it's always I'm always glad that I talk about Paul Thomas Anderson any time, any day. So yeah, I'm always I'm glad to have had that conversation, and without a doubt, there will definitely be uh, a bigger, wider discussion of his canon eventually in episodes to come. We have it planned out.
0: Yeah, and so, yeah, so now, moving on, this episode, so it was Brian's recommendation last time, now it is mine, and I thought really long and hard about this, uh, what I wanted to, you know, pick and and talk about with you guys, and and my brother Brian, and I came back to a movie very near and dear to me, as I feel like most of these are, I feel like I start most of my... (laughs) Like my recommendations with a movie that's near and dear to me, but really all these are. But, without further ado, my recommendation for this week, this episode, is the Blair Witch Project. And I, for one, am very excited about it. I don't know about you, Brian. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess. I, I kind of, okay, honestly, when I saw that you
1: recommended this and I had to watch it, I was kind of just saying, Uh, oh, I gotta watch this movie again. Not that I don't like it, it just kind of uh, I've seen it numerous times. It's a movie that's fun to watch. Uh, I just don't watch it that much. I mean, I, I think for good reason. Uh, I think it's a fun movie in its own right, uh, but I just don't like sitting through it and watching it. But, but
0: there's there's a specific reason I wanted to talk about this. And the big one is I think that this is one of the most underrated ho- films, but horror films in general. I think it's definitely in the top three of most influential films made and indie films ever made. and that and if I'm ever gonna talk to someone about filmmaking, I'll definitely agree with indie, not we, not ever. Eh, we'll see anyway, but definitely indie. I would definitely a doubt recommend indie. if I were to like teach a course about filming or just talk to someone, I would say, especially filmmakers just beginning I would say definitely watch this because oh my god just what they they had like a budget of $30,000 and they they won I think this is like the the highest grossing film to like um like budget to like make return. returns yeah in returns I think they made like I think it was like 48 million dollars on its opening weekend I think holy shit I think hang on let me look that up um, well, um, while you looked that up, I think it's really interesting, the note... Oh, that no, it said... Oh, wait, no, that was overall. Well, I think it, it I said... Think, it, uh, Jesus. Yeah, 48 in his first week. All right, well, I just wanted to say, I think it's really
1: interesting, to note, that I watched the uh, behind-the-scenes footage of Pulp Fiction, and one of the things that... Um, what's his name? Oh, shit. Oh, God. Who? Butch.
0: Oh, Bruce, Bruce Willis. Willis. Yeah.
1: The thing that he said was to Tarantino was that because Tarantino had like a handheld camera and Bruce Willis was like, all right, yeah, one of the, one of these days, some fucking kid is going to pick one of those things up for like a hundred bucks at a film store and make them <laughs> feature film with this and make millions of dollars. And he's like, you mark my word. Someone's going to do this. And five years later, someone did. Yeah. Like, I think that's four, really yeah, interesting. Four or five
0: years later. Yeah. And yeah, so this movie came out in 1999 and it's starring well two just unknown directors, just film students, like Daniel Myrick and Ed Sanchez. And it's starring three also unknowns: Heather Donahue, Joshua Leonard, and Michael C. Williams. And they all go by pl- they pretty much play themselves. Um, and man, before so before we get into the film itself, I want to talk about it's it's rel- it's like. How relative it is with us, and how or at least with me, and how it resonates with me, and also kind of briefly touch upon its cultural impact and why I think it's so important. So, going to my own personal experience, Blair Witch hits. It's like it really. The reason I think it's so important is for two for two big reasons. The first one, uh, more of a personal story. I remember. We were, it was the, we were what, like 13, four, I think we just turned 14. We were in yeah, eighth we grade were. and it was the last time that we said we we're going to go trick or treating. So kind of a last foray into that. And so we went to our, our buddy's place before that we worked at a haunted house, like kind of like a, a local haunted house and it was fun, but we we're like, you know what, we want to do this. And so we went to our buddy's big neighborhood with, um, I think one or two of our buddies And then we met up some girls, as you do when you're young. And we all just went, like, trick-or-treating, having a good time. It was fun. It rained at some point. And then later that night, we went back to our buddy's house and just turned on the TV. And Blair Witch was on. And we're like, oh, yeah, let's, like, let's watch the Blair Witch. And throughout the whole film, we were, like, kind of making fun of it, kind of, like, flirting with the girls every now and again. And just kind of, like, trying to scare them as young guys, teenage guys do. And then I remember we get to the final scene when they when go into the house. To me,
1: it was when the tent the, – the when the hands hit the tent.
0: I mean I think that, that part definitely everyone like kind of shut up. But it was definitely – I remember specifically when they go into the house or when she finds the teeth. I think that everyone was like, whoa, what, what the hell going on? And we just – everyone just stopped and stopped talking, stopped. No jokes, nothing. And I remember having these chills go down my spine and – like you don't see anything and I just remember that – like that was one of the biggest reasons why um, it was just I, – I, I just remember just thinking, wow, this was amazing. And now I take that and it still deeply resonates with me. And the second reason, as I kind of already hinted at it, is just its huge impact on its culture at the time. And how it revolutionized pretty much the found footage, in my opinion. I mean, it didn't start it, uh, but I think it definitely made it more popular and brought it to the attention of everyone. Because the uh, before this, the only thing that I can really think of that was found footage, that genre, was Cannibal Holocaust. And I know they, there had to be others in there, but I only know of Cannibal Holocaust.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I... I don't really think it was really that big of a, like that. Uh, there were definitely handheld movies out there, but I think it really exploded into the <clears throat> mainstream with Blair, Ru-
0: well, Blair Witch. I think one of the reasons is because it kind of followed the same formula as Cannibal Holocaust, in that they pretended that, or like the the, the whole idea was that, oh, this is real. And well, okay, well, also, and, they, and like, and the oh, and the whole like, this is when the, and I think it goes into the timing. This was when the internet was yeah. very – was just like kind of getting very popular, started just getting to people's homes. And so they had a, a website that pretty much detailed everything about the case, like uh, pretty much the entire backstory. Like, oh, they found three – or they, they didn't find bodies, but they were – the story goes is that they were finding – they found this, this, um, this site and they were digging, so archaeological site this old house like i think of maryland institute or something like that and they were digging and they found within like in this old house layers and and like through time the layers accumulate and so they dug down and they found this knapsack with film equipment and tapes and reels and things and, and and uh like uh camping gear like what is this and they open it and they watch the film and they sync up the sound and it's it's this these, this footage of these kids going and making a project about the Blair Witch. And then they put it together. Um, and so – and then they made a, a mockumentary, but they released it on MTV and throughout saying – like interviewing the, uh, the actor's family or the quote-unquote the character's families and that this is really messed up, kind of the history of the Blair Witch, like what happened when they disappeared, the search party. It went on for a few months. Um, and then they just gave up, and then this archaeological site found their pretty much their last remains in this film, and then they're asking the family about the film, and they're just like, this is disrespectful, we don't want this. And it just builds, it just keeps building and building. And at the time, people thought this was real. They they saw, I don't want to say a snuff film, not necessarily like the Cannibal Holocaust, but they thought this was real, as in... People had went to Burkittsville. They went into the woods trying to find these missing kids, trying to find evidence of the Blair Witch. Um, they stole the Burkittsville sign has been stolen multiple times. Burkittsville is just having people come in that's like kind of, oh, this is where the Blair Witch takes place. So it's this huge cultural phenomenon, and now we have a found footage film every like six months it seems, and only a handful actually get it right, uh, or like they actually do something with it. Last thing, like I mean, there's like Cloverfield, Wreck, Quarantine, Diary of the Dead. Uh, I don't know all the fucking nine Paranormal Activity movies, even Unfriended, that kind of put a tried to put a twist on that VHS. Uh, what else can I name off the top of my head? What's t- What's Coming Home or Grandma's Visit, whatever. The visit. The visit. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's and it's just this explosion of found footage in the last decade, really. And so I think that's that cultural like significance. What what do you have anything to say about that? Well, I mean th- that's
1: really not my scene. Um, I think it's more. I mean, yeah, you could you could tie it to handheld, uh, you know, video camera, whatever the hell that genre is called. Uh, but I really think it just goes for indie filmmaking at large that you know, these people, like, people can make a movie for literally nothing, and make a good fucking movie at that. All you need is, uh, atmosphere, uh, actors who can do a somewhat capable job of conveying whatever the hell it is you're trying to do, and a good story. And you need some sort of, I mean, I guess the Blair Witch goes into the atmosphere, but I feel like this was, like, the perfect storm of a situation where it's like, you're caught in the woods, and you have a Jaws-esque figure chasing you. Where you and but except, unlike Jaws, you never see whatever the hell it is they're chasing. So your imagination is literally all it is that's driving. I was gonna it. say this. And your and your imagination can be the biggest influence of what the hell scares the shit out of you. Well,
0: I was gonna say this film is solely like your imagination is the driving force of fear. I mean, there's other there's obviously the things that like you hear, but your imagination fills in this it's like a it's this film taps into a primal fear of people and their imagination fills in the gaps and i actually have another story about this um before we like i i just remembered it off the top of my head so and then we'll get just jump right into the film so last year uh freshman in college orientation week meeting new people and we we're just kind of chilling out with maybe like six people in a room and someone said hey let's watch a movie and no one everyone's being indecisive what they wanted to watch so we're going through netflix and i saw the blair witch and i said hey let's watch the blair witch people like oh what's that i'm like oh it's just a horror movie really i really enjoy it it's really it's really freaky um it's fun it's a fun movie and so like oh let's put it on and most of them kind of had like the lukewarm reaction that brian had when i told him we were going to watch this movie that they're like Oh yeah, yeah. And then from the rest of the year, uh, I was never allowed to pick the movie, which is funny enough. Now that we're doing this podcast where we recommend movies to each other, and like I don't know, so it was funny. But I just remember sitting there, and I was really engrossed in what was going on. And then people were like, "Oh, so when is this supposed to get scary?" And I'm like, "What? How, like you're just? I guess it's one of those movies you have to be into." But yeah, that just reminded me of that, and um, and so. That's why I wanted to pick this movie and and kind of – and I actually just watched this movie for this review uh, like two hours ago or so and I was completely engrossed in what was going on and I wasn't really expecting that. I was kind of – for this going more of – I wanted to do more of a cultural dissection but now I just want to talk about the filmmaking perspective and just talk about the whole film as itself. So I don't know if you have anything you wanted to add before we jumped into the like the, the film itself. No, not really. Okay. Well, alright. So we're gonna jump right in and and so the opening I think it really like kinda sets the piece and that it sets it that this is gonna be found footage. Um, and it's all like quote unquote their footage, like the students' footage. And so this whole opening is... And it's it's this, it's this all about introducing the audience to the characters of Mike, Heather, and Josh. So we first get our director seen on screen, Heather. Uh, she's... I don't know. She seems really enthusiastic. Same with Josh. Uh, and you also get the roles in this whole thing. Uh, Heather is the director, the leader, quote-unquote leader. Uh, Josh is the camera guy. He's the one that gets the equipment. And Mike is kind of the outsider he doesn't really he knows he's a he's an acquaintance of josh and so that's how he meets heather and so he's the sound guy and so they get the equipment and heather's kind of like does the scouting and the story and what we and again we get that like establishing what they do they're all students they stole the equipment which i thought was really funny and that i can kind of relate to that i've never stole i've never stolen equipment but I've thought about it um, a lot. Not not so much stealing. I've thought about borrowing and with the intent of returning but you without mean, permission. You mean borrowing
1: without permission as per Jack Sparrow?
0: Yeah, pretty much. And so I related that. Never done it, but I've thought about it. And so and what I got from this whole bit, so like they're meeting each other, they're talking about the project, they're going like food shopping. It's just to kind of set the normality which will be later than juxtaposed to the rest of the film, so they're, how comfortable they are right now, and they're going to compare that to how fucking uncomfortable they're going to well, be Well, I think on.
1: it's also really important to notice that the film opens up with that like kind of like a disclaimer-esque thing where it's saying, it's giving the synopsis of like, it's literally telling you what the movie's about, uh, saying like, we found uh, this footage in the middle of the woods, uh, I forget kind of what it said, but the point is it's, it's- saying... Something bad happened to these people and they don't know it yet, but you know it. So yeah. it's kinda like you're watching all of this unfold.
0: Yeah. It says like in October of ninety four, um, I think it was like these these uh filmmaker or these these three student filmmakers went out to make a documentary about the Blair Witch. This is their footage. So it's kind of like ominous of like what? And then So and then that all that we just discussed. And then I really like the the inner, kind of like the the splicing of the two of like the history of the Blair Witch and then their reactions well, to it. Well, it's really
1: it's a really good expository dialogue setup. It's very naturalistic. Well, yeah, where they explain everything you need to know, but also at the same time you have you throw in bits of people who are like, "Eh, it's bullshit. I don't believe in it." And then there are people who are like Basically, telling everything you need to know. There was the guy who told the the, the guy like killed kids who stood put him in the corner. There was the guy who's uh what was it? What did I write down? The the old guy who talked about Mr. Parr who was the hermit who killed kids. Yeah. Found kids in his house. The there was the guy who said the Blair, which is like the boogeyman, and that's where I said he kills the kids in twos from the corner. Um, yeah. Then the whole- old guy said the woods are haunted. And like, or she says that Mary Brown says that, but we'll get into her in a second. Then there's like the woman with the the little kid who the kid didn't want to hear it. Um, and then that's when the woman talks about the cabin and it just kind of just sets off now, like this little kid who has no idea about it is just, you know, saying, no, no, I don't want to listen to it. And it's like, that's just even like more unsettling. And, I, and, the, the, and I think the fact, wasn't it like some of these people just like off the street random people? Well,
0: okay, here's the thing. Most of them were plants by the directors like just to kind of like, hey, film this person. So some of them had like basic ideas, but that woman who had the child was just someone off the street and she was just bullshitting a story to make it into the film and the child, that was their genuine reaction. Like, no, I don't want to hear it. And I love it. That's one of my favorite interviews. It's, it's that one and the the uh, two, like, fishermen. Yeah. But, like, so what I've written down is this also establishes, like, why Heather is, like, filming this documentary. And she says the the legend in itself is very unsettling. And she doesn't want, quote, she doesn't want cheese. She just wants, like, a straight documentary. And then we get, like, the Bergersville sign, which I mentioned um, it's been stolen. But I also like the blending of the 16mm and the regular filming. So it's, like, so the 16mm is the black and white. And I really like – and that really plays off later on, especially in the house, at the very end of the film. But I really like how they kind of blend and splice the two, like, kind of things together. And uh, and they use the black – they use the 16mm so sparingly. But when they use it – because it, it, it runs on limited film and they don't have that much film for it. Um, it really is effective because it's black and white. And it kind of devo- – like, later on when you see the stick man or the house, it really devoids like, the color and, like – makes it black and white and i really enjoy that but um so we get like the bergsville sign the children's graves which is like oh maybe like why are all these children like well, why are the, all the graves belong to well, children I think, I think that scene
1: is like well first off we missed mary brown no
0: no i was getting to that no uh, but I,
1: well okay anyway if we're talking about the uh the graveyard scene
0: no it's it's no it's like the uh it's the very first thing they say. It's like, oh, there's a lot of oh, chil- there's a lot of th- graves okay. that have children, and they were all killed in nineteen 19- or they all were buried in the nineteen forties. But no I one, thought, I
1: thought you were starting to talk about the cemetery scene, Keep
0: like the going. rocks. What?
1: Like the rocks? No, the cemetery with the when they first start the documentary.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Oh well, that no Mary Brown that come like it's literally no. a doc. It's like the. The cemetery comes first, and then they talk Are you sure? about. It. I just walked through. I must interview. have written it
1: down in a different order. But well, okay, well then, if we're talking about, well, hang, on, I want to get to the interviews oh too. Oh my fucking god! Well, no,
0: because you just because the, I'm going in order, and you. I have something the order. to say about
1: the cemetery. You just said you're talking about. Oh,
0: it. Oh, well, I thought you were going about the interviews because I have no. things to say about each interview. No,
1: I have something to say about the the uh, the first shot of the documentary. I have something to say about that. i right, Well, I think it's funny that Heather is. Um, Constantly saying like I don't want cheese and yet this whole documentary is nothing but cheese Like Heather is like she's like really good at acting really terribly um, In the sense that it's like she's it's all just cheese like that's exactly what it is There's no better word to say it in that she just sits there reads from the stupid book in the most over-the-top way like she's trying to be so sophisticated but it just comes off as, like, a pretentious film student who's saying, this is what happened here, and, like, this is why it's important, and then it's, it's like, oh, you know, this is Burkittsville, like, so many dead children, and it's, you know, people who believe in the Blair Witch, oh, and I just thought it was funny, because even at, like, the, the, the rock in the woods and all that shit, it's all, like, pretentious. Eh,
0: I guess. But, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I see what you mean, but, like, I think these interviews, like jumping to that, is that they they like you said they they're expository dialogue, but they're told in like an interesting way, and they tell you everything you need to know. So like you find out that I think his name's Rustin Parr. I'll say Parr. Parr killed seven kids. Um. Like the old guy shot in sixty millimeter gives everyone the the young guy, um, kind of like gives the inner the idea that it's like a boogeyman kind of situation, but it sets up the ending where he, like, he couldn't take the eyes of the of the kids, um, so that's why, like, that's why he made them turn around, uh, that's why the handprints are on the wall, uh, that's why there's children laughing throughout the whole thing, like, I mean, it sets up that the like, kids were killed, um, the mother and child, I absolutely love that, I thought that gave it such authenticity, and she just started making up a story just to make it, to get it, and, like, when the child started doing that, like, I think that was just golden that they knew that was gonna happen, but, um, I just love that interplay between them. It's like, oh, it's not true. Don't worry. I'm just telling a scary story. And Then she just turns to the camera and says, it's true, and then just cuts. Um, and the old guy, uh, they say like, oh, do you believe the woods are haunted? And he's like, well, I don't, but Mary Brown does. Like, oh, who's Mary Brown? And Mary Brown is this creepy as fuck old lady, um, which I think – was an actual person who believed in the Blair Witch. Jesus. Like, it's that, it like, it makes it that much more creepy. Like, that fucking, like, wooden fence that she's like, well, I don't know how to open this. That was a genuine, like, Heather Donahue had, like, what is this? Well, and I then- feel like that was, like, a big tip that, like, they're trying to hint that, like,
1: maybe she's the Blair Witch. Like, it could be, I thought, like, the fence was, like, a red herring.
0: Oh, I never really thought of it like that, but, I mean, that makes, I mean, that would be a good theory.
1: That that's like my theory that it's like it's a red herring and it's like you're supposed like maybe that's her
0: like. maybe is a batshit crazy old woman, which she in reality probably was, but um, so but, but what you get from this is like you kind of get this in like interpretation of what the Blair Witch is, is that it's a woman. She said like a hairy woman with a shawl. Didn't say anything and that she kind of well they they mentioned later on that she like levitates and she doesn't touch the ground. And that like that's where the imagination comes in, but then you get that immediately, they're like, oh yeah, they're trying to entertain these thoughts, and then when they leave, they're like, she is, she's crazy, and like, yeah, yeah, we know, like, she's saying that she's a ballerina, she's writing a book on history, something like that, but all of this sets up all the exposition in a very, very interesting way, and, and it's at this point, at, well, maybe the next scene, uh, when they're in the hotel, and that, I'm assuming that most of these scenes are improv They kind of had like a general idea of what they had to do, but they just like improv And it makes, it gives, well, it's a slow burn at that. At this point, I realized this is a slow burn of a movie. And that the movie's only like an hour and a half long though. So it's like, but it's still very slow. I mean, you said so yourself and we'll get to that, that there were points you're like, all right, I'm not going to watch it because you like, nothing I've also
1: in- already seen it. I've seen it a few times. If I didn't see it, I would have been totally enraptured.
0: But I did, I knew what was happening. By the so. way, but I just think it's these authentic interactions of like hiking, their like reactions to things. Um Like like for example that when they have to cross the river into the log on like day one. Oh that's some thunder, I'm gonna pick that up. But um when they have to walk across the river, across this big like fallen tree If they had fallen into the river, the movie would have been done. And then everyone would have been out $30,000. And so it's like things like that that kind of like make it really genuine. But we'll get into that. So day two is when they actually go and try and find this trail to – I think Coffin Rock is what they were saying. And this is where the two fishermen come in. And here you get that – the legend of like the old woman that doesn't touch the ground – and you get that they don't believe. They're saying, like, the one guy's like, oh, you're full of it. Like, it's a bullshit legend. And from what continuous... Now, a podcast that had reviewed Blair Witch, and I'm a, I'm a fan of, I listen to, Continuous Play, um, they, when they were talking about this, one of the um, hosts had brought up the point that, oh, they they say they don't believe, or one guy says, oh, it's it's, it's BS. But the way they're standing is that they're standing like hunters, that they, they're back to back. So one guy has his fo- field of view and he's trusting his, his buddy behind him that he is the other, it's yeah. vice versa. So it's like, well, if they don't believe, why are they, like they're in a, like a, a, a supposed haunted section of the woods and they're looking, for, they're looking over each other's backs. This is a kind of an interesting thing to observe once you understand that yeah um and then right from here we get the coffin rock and and you get more of heather kind of being like oh i know where i'm going they almost get lost but they find the rock and this is where you get into your what you were saying this kind of pretentious uh cheesy story and but in essence the story is really horrifying in that men were found they were killed there's like pretty much they were alive when they were being killed and they were able-bodied so they could fight back and their intestines were like ripped out they were bound to we to one another and i think it's what they do very interestingly is that they have b-roll over heather's um narration so as she's talking you see different spots of the rock so you can envision use your imagination to envision the site that these like i guess hunters or trappers found and I don't know. I think it's very effective in that, uh, yeah. like imagination.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, also, just kind of backtracking, I kind of I think we forgot to mention how much of a control freak Heather is. Um, even just in these small little scenes of when they were driving back from Mary Brown's house, Heather was constantly critiquing Josh in that she's saying like the meters versus feet argument for the depth of field. Um, and it's even like just small shit like that where it's like she just has to start an argument. That's
0: true, and she's like not even the like he's the camera. Yeah, That's he's the job. cameraman he, and here like she he is giving him shit. And she's also, trying to critique him.
1: Yeah, also they're walking to Coffin Rock and she says, like, we're on our way to Coffin Rock and I totally know where we are.
0: Yeah, like and
1: I said. And it's like, okay, you're kind of full of shit. But yeah, so then the Coffin Rock thing happens and then they have to make camp and it's like it's pouring rain. I already, for some reason I wrote this. It's pouring rain and we can't even get a fire going. So I guess it just shows how out of the element they are.
0: Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say like this is kind of the start of all the miserable times that are yet to come. Yeah. Um, it's kind of there's some levity in this situation. Um, and that like he has a leaning post and they're kind of like dicking around, but then, this is when the next morning. Oh yeah, Th- this, this hear- is what I
1: wrote. I'm like, Josh heard noises at night owl cackling and then I wrote this is when I know they're fucked that's what I wrote my notes
0: (laughs) yeah I mean really and 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 I what I and well there's like cackling and at this point this is another like continuous play like idea but I completely I, I was thinking about this before I listened to their their review of this but I completely agree is that Mike in the beginning of this is the audience and that he's he's saying everything that the audience would say and I and I thought it was funny he's like if I heard if I heard cackling, I would have shit my pants. And I'm like, yeah. "Yep, that's something I would say." Yeah, seriously. Um, and I got a laugh out of that, but it's it's true. Like, if you heard a cackling in the middle of the woods and you had no idea what it was, you're like, "Oh my god, what the hell was that?" Yeah. And like, this is like nothing. That's what's what's the calm. So, this this third day, um, honest. Also, I want to note: I think they're not
1: like uh, they're not condemned yet. Oh no. I, I think, think this is the end on this day. This is the witch trying to say get the fuck out.
0: And then, you know, and then after this part. Yeah, so this so this bit, it, it it's interesting enough it opens with I think Mike has the camera. Or no, no, Josh has the camera. Oh
1: wait. Uh, you finish your thought then I'm going to
0: keep going. Okay. Well, I was going to say it opens up with them um Josh is f- is filming Heather. And he's like, "Oh, so do you do you think the witch exists?" And she says, mm, "I don't know." And then it gets to them hiking immediately.
1: Well, okay. So before you get to that point, is this the is this after the first morning?
0: does Heather? Is this when they recognize that they're lost? I think she rec- Well, this is when Mike and Josh realize that they're lost, but Heather is just like, "No, I'm not lost." Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah.
1: This is what I said because actually. I actually believe—I'm going to retract my statement that they are condemned now because at this point, uh, Heather's looking at the map and saying, like, um, I don't know where we are. And I honestly believe that Heather, being the control freak that she is, would never have gotten them lost in the first place. I feel like because she had to micromanage every single little thing that they were doing— that she never would have gotten them lost. But then the fact that they woke up the next morning and they had no idea where they were, I feel like that's the spell
0: starting to take place. You know what's horrifying about that whole thing is that like what I went into, like kind of that bonus thing, is that they found that footage, like that, that supposed footage, like a hundred years after. Really? Like that's like, you know, okay. So the only way I can describe this is like with evolution, I don't know, it was bio major. So like, with um, so like the wit like uh with rocks, like you know like how like how far how like like one of the re- like one of the ways they like date like rocks is by counting the the uh the layers of like however much however like they find it here and if they count like
1: yeah sure it's like
0: say six layers it's like but a that, tree yeah like, yeah it's like a tree that it's like kind of it's it's a similar idea like counting rings so that's how they they deduce that since these um like according to this documentary that since it was buried so deep that it couldn't have been there except at this point like so they essentially carbon dated it so are you saying that so i'm saying that the witch like... sent them back in time to a time when there was no civilization holy shit that's actually kind of i didn't watch the documentary that's like, really like how weird. else would that footage get under there yeah like it was buried under time huh like, isn't that fucking horrifying? So, like, they're lost. They're genuinely lost. And like. Um Damn. That's just a theory. That's my theory.
1: Yeah, I kinda just thought that Um it, it was kind of like kind of like a Harry Potter spell, where when you go to Hogwarts, it's just like a ruined castle. I kinda took it like that, whereas, like, if people look for them, they there's no possible way they'd be able to see them. And then, like, in this way, the spell, it's like you're always going to constantly be lost. You're kind of, like, in a different dimension in in this way that it's, like, you will never get out of this, this, like, maybe square, like, 100
0: miles radius. I mean, it's interesting. I wish they, like, found something because I wish there was, like... Because Heather had a book, How to Survive in the Woods, and she never once uses it.
1: Or they never show us, showing her consulting it.
0: Um, I I would assume she didn't. But, yeah,
1: what do you think about that? Do you think that's, like, kind of valid that, like... There's no way that Heather micromanaging everything would have I think possibly it's a possibility, gotten lost.
0: But I also think that she did get lost at one point, and then she's just too proud to admit it. Well, you can it. also
1: argue that she didn't know what she was doing in the first place, anyway. Yeah. Well I don't know, I feel like she... Well, because they got to Coffin Rock. I
0: think it's a mix of both.
1: You know, they well, they got to Coffin Rock, so she managed that far to find this place. You know?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that could be because later in the film, she's like, when the map is lost... She's like, all right, we're just going to go south and we're just going to keep walking south until we hit something. And then they end up like circling back to their own campsite. And it's like, well, how the fuck did we circle around if we just went straight? So, I mean, I guess that's that's a possibility. That's all, that's in the realm of possibility. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like that theory. I think it's a mix of everything. Like everything's at play. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that's the kind of the beauty of this film that you can interpret it in however way. You can suit it to yourself, um, but because anything's possible. but so they wake up, like I said, and then they're hiking. and again, Heather keeps saying, I, I know where we're going. I know where we're going. And then this is when start Mike starts to get pissed. And like you kind of get their initial roles. So like Mike is naturally aggressive at first. Josh is like the moderator of peace, and then Heather is just completely stubborn. Like Mike's like, we're lost. Like, why do you like, why do you keep telling me that we're not lost when you're quite, you're so obviously lost? And then Heather's like, well, I'm not lost. I know exactly where I'm going. And then Josh is like, guys, we need to calm down. We need to calm down. And then Mike, at one point, like he, and I think I get it at this point that he just met her like a few days ago, because she says, oh, it's nice to meet you, and he says, I don't trust you. And she's, and then he's like, she's like, well, what, why? And he doesn't really get into it, um, rightly so. And also, this film kind of gets into why she's filming everything, because everyone's like, well, why the hell is she just filming? This? this has nothing to do with their documentary. And I think she just says, like, I'm just, I'm just so involved with what's going on, I just want to film it and capture it. And um, and then this gets into that log crossing that I mentioned earlier, how authentic it is, and I like that the sound mixed with the B-roll of, like, you can you can hear them crossing at the same time, but they're filming it as someone got over it. So it's, like, I don't know. I thought it was very... It, it worked, and it was just an interesting way. Um, and then, right now is when, like, things, like... It's kind of, I mean, for me, it's, like, it's like things start, like, popping up. This is when the stones pop up. Um, honestly, I don't think... See, I like your theory that they're condemned the moment they wake up, but... I don't know. I feel like they're condemned at the end of this night. Um, like actually no, I feel like they're condemned once the witch or whoever, whatever entity is present, puts the rocks outside of their tent. That's when I feel like they're condemned, because that's that's her telling them that's like, hey, you're boned. Because I think this is like this is the final straw. It's like if you don't get this warning and get the hell out, then. Well, all right. Sucks to be you because this is like this is like a reminder. These okay, so these stones nest. There's a nest in a pile and piles on the ground. There's seven piles which represent each kid, and and once Josh kicks that 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 one of those over, it. I guess she take like you can take that as she takes that as disrespect and like well you don't take this seriously so now you're you're condemned. Now you're gonna suffer the same fate as them. And honestly, I thought this was pretty subtle, because. They uh they were like oh what did Mary Brown say? But that was like really the only reference that they made, and like, it kind of left up to the viewer like oh there's seven. They weren't like seven piles. There were seven kids. What? Whoa. It was like I I was like oh wow that's like the kids. That's that's interesting. So yeah. um what what did you what did you and and I think honestly that goes into like I think they're condemned because that night there's not just a crackle. Or a pop—it's just—it's—it's literally noises all around them, and you can hear—it's like loud thumping and crashing, and it's like, oh wow, like it's like the witch is telling them, "I'm after you now." Yeah, exactly. And again, it goes all for that primal fear. This is what I think makes the movie work—is that, uh, it's just you—it's—it's literally like their their cameras—they see the woods, but they can't see any farther than that but you can hear something in the distance, but you don't know what's making that noise. And that's like terrifying to me. Um, so day four rolls around. They're just like, Oh wow. Like, or they're like, Oh my God, there's these noises. And they think that someone's like messing with their heads. They think it's like the locals trying to scare them off. And Mike, Josh is like, it's someone messing with you. Mike thinks it's, it's like, it's someone just messing with us. people messing with us. But, like I can't explain it and I don't when I honestly don't want to. I just want to get out of here. And so, and this is when the this day is when the mutiny starts to like form among the ranks and that there's like unrest amongst like the group. And like Mike is starting to get really pissed off about this camera. He's like turn the camera off. I want to go home. Stop trying to focus on filming this and just get us the hell home. And that's kind of like the gist of day 4. Uh, it's just kind of them yelling at each other and tensions are are building and they're questioning Heather's authority and she's trying to combat that. And then at night, this is when oh, and then like that night, I think Mike was trying to deny that the the noises were even there. But that night, the night night four is when the louds are the, the noises are so loud that you can't you can't deny them. No one can deny them. They start getting scared and. And, well, before I get into my final thought about that, what did you have to say about this whole, like, ordeal?
1: Which, like... Like, what? night
0: four, when, like, mutiny start, like, tensions start rising. Are you probably... I think I think you told me you skipped this bit, because they were just yelling at each other.
1: Well, I mean, that's not saying I haven't watched it. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, well, I mean, even at night, that's fucking terrifying in any way, like, to hear just, like, these... It's not... It doesn't even sound... Well, actually, no. That I'm remembering it, they're like, "Oh, there's definitely somebody like stepping out there. Like it's it sounds like people walking, and then in the meantime, you hear like just sticks and everything just breaking, and then you and then they're like, like, oh, I, I it it sounds like someone's out there,' and like and honestly, the thing about these movies and the thing about this movie, obviously, is that you think about like how would you react in this situation? I'd be
0: shitting my pants, <laughs> and I'd
1: be like, well. I would be so fucked, because, like, I have no idea how I would react. Uh, I'd probably sit in my tent with my fucking knife, honestly, but... Yeah, dude, I, I have no
0: idea why they went out. I would have been like, I don't hear this, well, I don't hear movie, this, I don't hear why. this. But, yeah, I mean, you, you nailed it. But, like, but here's the thing, that my final thought about this is, like, the sound. The sound is extremely important in here, and that this is, like, a lesson in filmmaking, is that there's literally nothing on screen, because it's pitch black, they can't see anything, but you and they and this is when they go out and they're like we have to get this on sound and they're filming it and you just hear crunching and all you hear is the noises of like trees falling and like crunching and loud snapping and you hear the characters voices like this is this is insane this is insane like who's out there who's doing this and it's like that for like 2 or 3 minutes of just nothing but a black screen and but you can hear the sound very well and that's like a lesson in filmmaking that sound is super important i'm going to come back to sound at later points, because the sound is fantastic. And it's, well, like, by fantastic is that it, it it's very effective. Yeah. So, moving on to day five, this is when I think that they are totally screwed. In that there's three piles of rocks for Heather, Josh, and Mike representing their lives. And this is when, I think, one of, either one of the boys, one of the guys, they're like, we're not wanted, let's just get the hell out of here. And... Uh, the B-roll gives more info, uh, about the rocks and where they are in relation to the tent and things like that. And this is when, like, this is when, uh, I think Josh is like, I'm fucking done. Like, let's just, I'm done. Let's, this documentary, let's pull the plug, let's go home. And this is when this, the map argument starts. And like, my, my, my whole bit on the map is like, okay, so I like it and I hate it. I like the way it's going, that it's building tension, but it should have been left a mystery of how this map didn't... Uh, how it went missing. Like, it would have been much better if, like, the, it was just kind of assumed that the Blair Witch took it. But I think the explanation of where the map went was retarded. No,
1: I honestly don't believe that. Why? Be- well, because the explanation is that Mike kicked it in the in the forest, or in the, in the stream. That literally contradicts every single thing that he's ever done. He's, like, the rational guy... He he know, like he you said it. he is our he is our voice and he is our representation and honestly what that always struck me kind of off that he would just do that No yeah, no
0: and plus it's like it would have happened before he went like totally no, well, insane Even
1: when they said uh like where's the map I actually wrote it down I was actually paying attention only to Mike and where did I write this uh knocks over no let me look at my notes really quick. Um, well, I remember, basically, Mike was like, oh, you don't have the map? Like, he sounded, like, concerned, and, like, I feel like in any other situation, if he actually did do that, he wouldn't be saying shit. He would be kind of detached from the situation, and he wasn't. He's saying, like, you really don't have the map, and, and then I, that's why I think it's more of the spell. Taking control of Mike. I think
0: I would have bought it more if later on like he's if Heather was like, Why'd you do this in the map? Like, why did you do that? Kind of like I wanna know Well if no, he, I think it, if he it's was just like, taking no 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 wait, if he was just like, What are you talking about? Like he had no idea. But no, now I would because, buy that more. No,
1: because it's taking advantage of them all and it's exploiting their fears. The whole time Josh or not Josh, Mike is saying, This is Greek to me. I don't know the map. And so in my in my kind of headcanon, the Blair Witch is taking advantage of that fact and, like, kind of manipulating his mind to, like, actually think he did that. Whereas it just... It's, it's kind of, like, a reason to explain what happened, even if it didn't. Be, just as a way... Even for the audience to explain... Because that literally doesn't make any sense for, for uh, Mike to do
0: that. Oh, yeah. It's completely out of that's character. That's why I, that's said, why I, I think I, that explanation is stupid. Well, that...
1: What, my explanation or no, his? No, no, no.
0: Like, the explanation the film gives. Well, that's
1: why I'm giving this explanation. I'm saying... It's the Blair Witch talking, not Mike. And, and he's already starting to lose his mind anyway,
0: so it's like... It I don't think di- he's losing. He's just scared. And he's well, just being like... He's
1: starting to lose his stuff. And it's like, I'm saying the Blair Witch, I think, is making him say that than actually sane, rationally thinking Mike.
0: Yeah, and like... I mean, the whole point of this whole point... or I'm sorry, this whole scene, like day five, like the morning, or like the, the day, is... <laughs> Just to point this to show that this is this whole thing is FUBAR and that they're completely lost. They even say, like, this we're lost this is this is really messed up. And and this is when Josh tries to be rational he says, people are gonna start to notice that we're not here. He's like, if we're not back by tonight, people are gonna notice that we're not here. So like his girlfriend, his parents, like they're gonna like freak out. And and then this is when Mike says, I kicked the, I kicked the, the map in the river. And then they all, everyone freaks out. But after that, they kind of like, all right, well, it happened. We have to keep moving. And then this is to me, the most iconic scene in the movie is when the stick men are hanging in the trees. Yeah. And they're, and to me, they're creepy as all hell. And this is when I think that the, the switch to 16 millimeter was really effective because it goes from like this kind of like really saturated color because they're losing light to this black and white image. And it just kind of is like this, like, Oh man, this is kind of creepy. And, and then you get the background of people just like the God, like this is so fucked up. Like why, like why, like what do, what do these mean? And they're like discovering new things. There's like all these variations and then they just want to get out of there. But Heather just wants to keep taping and, and, and and they're like, God, like turn the camera off. Let's go. And she's like, Wait, wait. Like we have to get all of this. And they're like, No, fuck off. We have to get out of here. We're obviously not wanted. And uh, and then this is what you. This is what um I have this written that this is when this is when a Heather officially states that they're lost and she doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then oh man, this this is probably my like my favorite day or night uh, section because at night. This is one of the freakiest parts of the movie outside of the end is that – so they say, all right, we're not going to light a fire because every time we light a fire, it draws attention to us. When we light – when we use can- flashlights, we get lights. So everyone just turn off their lights. Don't bring any attention to us. And then, then they, they wake up and you can hear distinct voices. You can hear children. You, yeah, you hear you hear you hear children laughing and like you hear like – I, I heard a man and, and they're like – and then uh, – this is they turn the camera on and they're all freaking out and they're just like, oh, Jesus, like Jesus, what's going on? They're all like completely scared. And then that's when the children are laughing and then they start banging on the tent and they all freak out and they all run out. And Heather's famous line in the movie is like, what the fuck is that? That was well, first of all, that was a genuine reaction. Like oh, yeah. she saw like apparently the filmmakers dressed in like all white, like uh, like spandex or whatever. And they were banging on the on the on the tent, and then they ran away. And then when Heather and then they all ran out of the tent, and Heather looked over, she saw them, and and like Heather, like they were all were rege- like these are all genuine like reactions to these things So I guess they knew that something was gonna happen that night, just to like be to have the cameras prepared. But they had no idea that the filmmakers were gonna do that. So when she ran out, and like you're also caught up in the moment of what's going on, regardless of your acting or not. She looks over and she says that and she what she had seen was the film like one of the filmmakers dressing completely like white running through the forest. So she had no idea what was going on.
1: Yeah, like I'd be terrified too. Yeah, you gotta also if you're putting yourself in the moment of the actors, I, yeah, yeah, I would totally be feeling that way too.
0: Yeah. And then like this is when they they say like turn the lights off, nothing. And they stand out they stay out in the wood they stay out in the middle of the woods, so they're completely exposed, and then Until morning, and then this is day six. They go back, and this is when we found out that Josh is packed, like, screwed with. And there's, like, slime and all this crap's thrown all over. So he's being specifically targeted. This is where I think the subtlety comes in because the reason that happened was because he kicked over the – one of the graves, or quote-unquote graves. And – and so people that are asking, like, why did it only happen to Josh but not none of us? And like, why is it only your stuff? Like yeah. like your water's spilled. Like they're coming like why are you being targeted? And so this is when Mike well Mike attacks Heather. Well, pretty much like, I'm gonna break the camera, then they apologize. And then the camera for the first time turns on Heather, like, in through this help, this ordeal. And this is when uh, Josh says, "You know, I kn- I I now know why you like the camera because it filters reality. Uh, it's not. It's like it's not really reality. Like you, you can kind of disassociate yourself from what's going on." And uh, Josh loses it at this point. Mike, in some regards, tries to take over as like the strong moderator, in that he's like trying to stop the fighting. He's trying. He's like saying, "We have to prepare. We need watches. We like." Like who stays up and things like that, um, and then this is when they, they they've been hiking all day and they find their own campsite. And then again, they're also they're more genuine reactions. Um, they thought they had to go to another campsite, and then they, throughout whatever way that the the director told them, the directors told them to go, they found their own campsite and they freaked out because they were hiking for like six hours or seven hours or something like that, like all day. And they just found, and they just ended up in the exact same spot. So they freaked out. Um, and so when Heather is just like, she starts crying, and then Josh he freaks out because he takes the camera and says, "Oh yeah, you know you want your motivation. You're lost in the woods. You're being stalked. You're like you're all your crap is gone. You're starving." And at this point, he admits that there's a witch. I don't know if you caught that. Yeah, yeah. He says, "Oh, there's a witch that's that's leaving shit behind you and." It's stalking you. I'm like, wow, he just admitted that he thinks he's a witch. And then Heather admits why she's filming, continuing the film, is that this documentary and what's going on to them is all she has left. Because she knows that her her perfect documentary that's going to change the world is now complete. the plug has been pulled and it is, the jig is up. So yeah. her filming what's going on to them is the only thing that she has from this that she can salvage. Um, so what do you have to say about all of this?
1: Well, well it's like – yeah, it's like the total – uh, I think it's the epitome of just them losing their shit. This is the point of the movie where you know, all the cards are on the table. You know Josh, like you said, Josh admits that it's a witch. We know what's happening. They've lost it. And it's only a matter of time really, and they know it too, before you know their, their uh, clock eventually, you know winds down. Uh, it's like a total desperate and dire situation that they're finding themselves in. They just really don't know what to do with themselves, uh, and yeah. So that's really. I mean, you're nailing it. So keep going.
0: Um. All right. Uh. So yeah, and then at night, this is kind of like the kind of like last bit of. I feel like levity, because they're like, oh hey, who wants to cheat? This is, obviously, Mike starts us up again. Going into the, him kind of being, like, the strong, like, supportive person. He's like, oh, who wants a hamburger? Or who wants a cheeseburger? And then and then Josh says, oh, I want some of my mom's mashed potatoes. And they're just kind of, like, kind of laughing about that. And then cuts to the morning and Josh goes missing. And at this point, Heather makes the connection that Josh was specifically targeted. Because she points out that he left all of his stuff behind. Like, he didn't bring anything. So it's like, where did he go? Like, he obviously – like, it's like he couldn't have taken off and started hiking without them because he left all his gear. So she kind of makes that connection that that he has been targeted by whatever entity is following them. And Mike asks Heather, well, what do we do with this stuff? And, he, and she says, we have to leave his gear but take the camera. So again, further, like, we have to film there. And, and then there's another bit that Mike says – it's like who's works who's worse? The wi- the wicked witch of the west or the wicked witch of the east? Kind of like another like kind of play with the witches. And he's just trying to like make levity of the situation. And and he's just kinda of like, oh like oh, and he goes this is a scene where he's like kind of completely lost it. He's like sitting there, he's sitting cross legged, he's like rocking back and forth, and he's kind of whispering to himself, like, yeah. Oh, we we have to go, and he's like, Well, it's okay. I have food and I found smokes at the bottom of my bag, so I'm still smoking. So that means I'm alive. But he's like kind of like giggling to himself, and he's like it. It looks like he's fucking. He's off
1: his rocker at this point.
0: Yeah, and so again at night we hear again sound. You can't see anything, and they hear screams of Josh, and it goes to the imagination like oh my god, he's screaming for them. He's like I I don't I don't know what he's saying, but you can hear the screams distinctly and they don't know what to do heather starts crying Mart, um they both they both start to break down and then once they go back in their tent you can in the darkness you can hear heather saying don't fall asleep don't fall asleep because they're afraid that if someone falls asleep that someone's going to be missing when the other one wakes up and that's kind of like that's really bringing i feel like this is the point where everything starts to bring everything home in that they're, they're completely, they, they're, I think, I feel like hope is completely gone at this point.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, and that's even like an understatement. That's like, they're at the point where they know, they know with absolute certainty that they're done.
0: Yeah. And, and then (laughs) the next day, this is when Heather finds his bundle of sticks and, it's wrapped in the rope, uh, Josh's shirt, and inside it's blood, teeth, and hair. But what's great, that I really think Heather Donahue does well, because she's obviously the camera operator. She is acting at the same time that she never focuses or lingers on it. She gives you, she gives the viewer just enough insight of what's in there, but never is it like. Distinctly clear. So, like I said, I think it's it's well. It's obviously blood. It's obviously his, his um his shirt. And I thought I saw some hair in there, but I'm I'm assuming that's a tooth or teeth. That's teeth. I mean, that's what I would assume. But you never like. But it's shaking because and she's like reacting to. It. She's hyperventilating. And it's really putting the viewer in there. Um. What I now that I think about it, what I really like about Blair Witch is that they are able to like invoke, uh, these like feelings without any music whatsoever like, you know what i mean yeah like well, in in film it's, it's even all just worse. visceral
1: and emotional
0: and like so raw that, yeah that's so it's it. like it, like most films like I, I think about this like with diary of the dead they kind of preface like oh yeah we uh we're editing this so we added music to try and frighten you or just make it more dramatic. But here, they didn't even need it. Well, they a probably couldn't even afford anything. But b but also, it would have detracted so much.
1: It takes away from the like I said, it takes away from it being so raw. The and it's so scary because that's where there. And if you play music, it totally detracts from it.
0: Yeah, it, it kind of reminds you. It's like it's a film. Um, but yeah, she's like freaking out. She doesn't linger on it, but she's hyperventilating. But she doesn't tell Josh about it. And. This is the final night, one of the best parts of this film. Uh, well, first off, Heather claims responsibility. She apologizes to her parents, uh, Josh's parents, Mike's parents. And this is like the,
1: the most – this is like one of the most famous scenes in the movie. It's the cover of the – Yeah, it's the cover of the yeah, – It's the and then her,
0: like, eyes. Yeah. Now, I think that – now, apparently, Heather Donahue was, like, up for a Razzie for this. I can I couldn't I can I completely disagree with that. I think people give her so much crap, and I think she's a really she does really well in this. I don't think I mean it's not Oscar worthy, but it's not Razzy. Yeah. and it's really at this scene that she I genuinely like she's terrified at this point. Like she's yeah, like, like actually terrified, um, and she's apologizing for everything. And I'm like, wow, and like the close up, like it's like really, it's really opening and revealing and she's very vulnerable and it is so emotional and it's so real and she claims responsibility and then this is when they find the house and he's like oh holy shit it's a house and you never get a full view of the house like you kind of get like the front and then the inside and then they're walking around they're like what the hell is this and then josh I think he says help, guys. I think that's what he says. But it's very clearly in the house. And they're like, wait, what? What was that? And they go upstairs. And, oh, man, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. And – because the house is creepy as fuck. And this is like my favorite part of the movie. And so they go up in the in the, in the attic. And I – this is my favorite part with sound and the camera work because they, they keep switching between the 16 millimeter and the camera. So it's very saturated, very – you can't really see well. It kind of like – Typical VHS home video and this this like this black and white film. And it's very good juxtaposition and also the 60 milli- millimeter is the only one that has the mic. Also because Mike is the sound guy, so he is the sound equipment. And so that's the only thing that's picking up the sound and like Mike and Heather separated points, so you can hear Heather screaming for him, but it sounds it's on the sixteen millimeter, but the sound isn't anywhere near that. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, I'm in here, I'm in here, I'm in the house and then he's like, Wait, I heard Josh, I'm gonna go get Josh and he runs down the stairs and Heather No no no, I'm sorry. Uh the sound is on the on the color, because Heather has the sixteen millimeter because it ends with black and white, which I think is very effective. But anyway, so heather or josh runs downstairs but heather doesn't follow because she is scared stiff and you can hear like mike don't run away don't run away and he's like no i gotta go get josh I gotta get josh and then you can hear her screaming and he run and then he run and then and then he's in the basement so he's like two floors separated from her and her and she's completely separated like you can't hear her anymore and you hear josh like or you hear Mike, just like Josh, are you hear, and he's like really upset. He's really, he's like about, he's on the verge of tears. Like his voice is about to break. And he turns the corner, and then he gets, I think he gets smacked, and he drops the camera, and the camera starts like auto focusing on the um on the ground, and then you pick up Heather, and it switches yeah. to hers, and you and you can, and it's oh my god, it's so effective because you hear her thing, but. You, but it's but the sound sounds so distant, and she's just screaming, and she, and you, she's getting progressively closer, and you see the handprints on the wall. Yeah, that's,
1: that's like a really creepy touch.
0: You see – you hear – you see – she's – now at this point, she's completely alone, and she doesn't know – well, she kind of does, and she's screaming, and as she's screaming, it's getting progressively louder and louder and louder, and then she's like, Mike, and then she turns the corner, and she starts screaming because Mike is now standing with his face towards the wall – referencing par when he makes them stand there so because he can't face them so that means that something is in the basement with her she starts screaming and screaming and then she also gets hit from behind drops the camera and then all sound ceases yeah and then the camp you can hear the the film roll just kind of like rat like just it's like it's I i don't wanna, i don't want to say it ended but it seems like it's it's like spliced or like it got damaged in the fall and then the move and then the film abruptly ends, and then it says, like, directed by the two guys. And with that, it is, uh, that is the Blair Witch. Um, <laughs> I, man, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the film. I mean, what, what, okay, well, what did you think of this whole last scene? I thought it was fucking terrifying. Uh,
1: And, like, even when we, like, I remember watching it in the, in that example that you said with Halloween, you couldn't hear a fucking pin drop in that room. And, like, for rightly so, it's a terrifying sequence. And it's a great climax to just a series of just unfortunate events. Um, And, yeah, like, I I love it. It's it's really massively done. It's really good at the callbacks. It does. And it shows just enough without actually showing anything. Uh so yeah and it's still horrifying <laughs> yeah, yeah that's all i gotta say about
0: that so i mean i can't really think of anything else to discuss about this movie i mean i we've, thought i the think sound, we've talked about it all i thought the sound was great um i think we hit all our points as we went along um i was completely engrossed in this entire film so recommendations that's where we are um I guess, would you like to go yeah, first, I guess or I'll should go I go first? first, since I recommended the film, or...
1: No, I'll go first, and you can close it. Um, so, yeah, it's a really hit-or-miss movie with me. Like I said, I kind of went into this, like, ah, oh, great, apprehensively. Uh, I still think it's a great movie, but, like, other than, like, the first couple, like, viewings, I wouldn't really recommend this to every... I would recommend it, like, the, the first time, obviously, But other than that, I feel like it's only a one and done watch, at least for me. It's it's a it's a well made movie, but I just for whatever reason I always come back to it just like ah okay it's just this movie. Like I've never really just sat down and like just watched it on my own. It's always like with a group or something. It's always like a popcorn flick. So like I guess for that reason on its own I would give it like a three stars out of five. It's a good movie in its own right, but I guess not really my cup of tea to like watch by myself or it's really mainly a group thing at Halloween.
0: Yeah. And I mean, those are all valid points. Um, for me, I mean, I really enjoy this movie, especially from a filmmaking perspective, um, in that what they were able to accomplish. And so, I mean, I would, this is definitely the top three most influential, at least indie films of all time and and i would definitely recommend like i think that every video like introduction like intro course should show this film or at least bits of this film um just to highlight um like especially sound and the last bit of how to edit things together i think that'd be really great uh but i really like talking about this like just even speaking about this last scene I was getting chills down my spine just talking about it and I was getting creeped out and no, and like the thing is nothing is ever shown. It's all your imagination. And I think it's super effective and it's, and I, I agree with you. I, this is not for everyone. Um, from my story uh, from my freshman year of college, I was the only one that really enjoyed it. Um, and I don't know. I think it's for a special I don't know, I feel like it's not for everyone, especially if you if you don't like slow burns, cause this is the epitome of slow burns. Um I wouldn't recommend this for you. So I'm gonna give this a three and a half out of five stars. I think it's the, I don't wanna give it a four star because I don't think it's a four star movie, but I also think it's it's not it's it's better than average to me. So I'm gonna go right in the middle and say it's a three out of five stars, and with that, that is the Blair Witch Project, and yeah. So next episode, Brian, it is your recommendation. Um, do you have any hint of what you, what, any any hint or what what we're gonna talk um, about? I
1: guess First. like the most obvious hint is. Uh, let's see. The yeah, well, Beatles.
0: Well, it's also the first musical of Amateur Tours that we'll okay. be discussing.
1: Yeah, okay. I didn't actually think of that. Yeah, so and
0: we'll uh, we'll get by a little help from our friends. So
1: yeah, you know, maybe for the for the benefit of Mr. Kite, maybe some shit like that.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was uh, I thought that was a pretty good discussion. I um, yeah, I was kind of interested to see how this would go because it's. I think it's obvious that. I, I i'm a little more interested in this film than you are but um but yeah no i thought this was, was a good review yeah and i and i had fun watching this movie again i really had a good time like revisiting this film uh for this podcast but uh yeah so so once again thank you everybody for supporting the show and giving us a listen yep and it's it's,
1: it's one in the morning right now so we put our effort into this and i'm tired and i'm gonna go to bed
0: yeah, so, uh, like, y- like, like Brian said, uh, thank you once again for watching, uh, or listening, and we will see you next episode. Adios. Alright, bye guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Amateur Tours. If you like what you've heard, want to leave a review or even make a possible suggestion for Brian and I to discuss, you can follow us on Instagram at the Amateur Tours on Facebook at Amateurtours Podcast. or even send us an email at the Amateur altours podcast at gmail.com. Once again, the Amateur altours podcast at gmail.com. that is one word. Cover design was composed by Sarah Jacobs. You can find more of her work at her own website, Digital Adventures. Opening and closing theme was performed by the CCH Jazz Ensemble, which was found using a Creative Commons search. Once again, we would like to personally thank you for supporting the show. Stay tuned for future episodes, be sure to let us know what you think, and thank you once again.